Uh, take four. TPC 156, 11.37 a.m., August 9th, 2020, 75th anniversary of the Nagasaki bombing. I'm sick as shit. I can't exercise per doctor's order, so I'm foggy, but I'm going to go crazy if I don't do an episode. I have a week off work that I was not expecting to have off, so I don't have guests lined up. So we're just going to riff for an hour. 11.38, let's try to aim for 52 minutes, and at a clean 12.30. No topic, I don't know. But one thing I've been listening to recently is... Uh, or documentaries about SDI, the Strategic Defense Initiative under uh, under Reagan, which is, it's kind of weird that, for me at least, it's weird to me that I never, I never read about it more. I don't have a guest, I can pull this microphone closer. It's kind of weird that I never read about it more because, I mean, it, it just seems kind of, it definitely seems right in my, right up my alley, right, right in my interest. I just never did. I kind of, I, I think I, I always remember hearing about it, but I think I, I don't know how to word this. It was often described as a, a propaganda piece or a fear tactic. Yeah. Almost like, why did we go to the moon? What was the real advantage of it? Sure. To show that our science our science is better and thus our system of society, the organization in which we operate our entire economy, capitalism versus communism, is more effective than theirs. I get that. I get the primary, I get the real thing though. That's great and all, but I mean, you don't need to win an argument about who has a better society and we can just nuke the fuck out of them. Or, you know, walls. You have two types of walls. You have walls on borders of capitalist countries where people try to get in, and then you have walls around communist countries where people try to get out. Follow the gradient. That defines everything. You don't listen to pundits. But I kind of, I think I took SDI as always, like it, it couldn't have actually been accurate. Because I always heard it described as, you know, it would have cost like $100 trillion. It was light years ahead of its time. It was more of like a scare tactic than anything. Um, do we have it? Do we, do we not? You know, you're going to call our bluff. Um, I don't like not having a guest because now I can see my image right in front of me and I'm just an ugly motherfucker. But I'm, I've been listening to some documentaries about it. Um, and excuse, I'm so foggy, but it is crazy because we were actually kind of like, we we're kind of making it. We are kind of making it. I mean, I'd, I'd seen videos before of uh, Sprint ABM, the Sprint anti-ballistic missile. That thing was insane. If I'm if I'm correct, it's zero to Mach ten in five seconds. And I know that sounds like okay, that's bullshit. That's you're you're exaggerating. Look up these fucking videos, dude. It's it, they the, the videos look like almost like a 1905 video. How they're kind of like sped up, like a bunch of women in hoop skirts and guys in top hats and like a three legged dog in Manhattan and there's like a horse going around. But it's it's actually the videos look sped up, but they're not. I mean, they start to, the missiles start to glow and it's because they're going something like they have, a, they're like a hundred G's, they're pulling like a hundred G's. But so I know that was for like the last second defense and not defensive cities because we realized that there's no such thing as uh, civil defense. The population's fried. Shout out Garrett Graff, Raven, M, uh, Garrett M. Graff, Raven Rock. Good Lord almighty, I am foggy. But But it, it, I guess it seemed like it, it couldn't have been true because we're still trying to like figure out lasers, right? I mean, not too long after 9-11, they had the, was it the YAL? What was that laser, that 747-based laser? 747 has obviously been used for uh, different cargoes over the eras from the proposed uh, aircraft, flying aircraft carrier to... The, I think NASA had one with like a telescope to get above the atmosphere, but it was all fucked up because the vibrations. Shout out Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. But what, I think it was the YAL. It was supposed to be an anti-ICBM. The entire thing, the entire fucking fuselage was filled with like capacitors or, I don't know, chemical batteries. I don't know shit about it. But that was in the 2000s. So the idea of uh, SDI in the 80s, it definitely... I don't know which propaganda 
did I just digest one of the propagandas? It was SDI propaganda, and did I just digest the propaganda that it was propaganda? Does that make sense? You know, it's like you could say like the moon landing was propaganda against the Soviets, and then you could say that like we didn't actually go, and that's propaganda against the United. It's gonna be a top tier episode. You can tell already. Woo. Um, but it does seem that so but listening to this documentary and they're interviewing the um so it was under Reagan, the Secretary of Defense was Casper Weinberger. Reagan and Casper Weinberger have both passed away, but the general who oversaw um SDI or was in charge of it was General James Abramson. Who's still alive and is 88 years old and is complete active chairman of uh, corporate is chairman of a corporation I think called GOI that was bought by someone and then that was merged and then that was bought just some just some fucking like shell game shit but and I don't think it was nefarious I think it's, I know this because I was trying to find him and uh, I've yet to hear back from him shout out James Abramson but he talks about actually kind of just how like far along this thing was coming um it's so it just for instance one of the things that there was a problem with was was like the coherent laser and it's so weird hearing about this in the 80s because they're talking about and this guy james abramson it's really weird because he has like an asmr voice so he's this guy overseeing this space-based laser uh, laser program to shoot down fucking nukes to offset a global thermonuclear holocaust exchange. And he's sitting there and he's like, well, um, thank you for having me on your show. And uh, um, so really what we were aiming for is um, some laser... <laughs> it's, it's oddly soothing. But he's talking about it. And there's obviously like the missile intercepts, the missile defense agency hitting a bullet with a bullet. The last line of defense was Sprint. I don't think we use that anymore. Um, I think there's one called THAAD, T-H-A-A-D. Uh, I think there's uh, the Patriot. I think there's, so there's like tiers, you know, boost. You get it in when it's like doing its arc. You do it like reentry. Um, like the decoys, the multiple independent reentry vehicle decoys that can't survive reentry because they're just Mylar balloons. Um, so we have all these different tiers of missile defense, but then, and it sounds like something you'd hear now in 2020, but here they're talking about it in, in 1984 is they're like, well, you know, you have these different tiers of missile defenses, but then, you know, at the final seconds before it released, so it's called a bus, a bus is what holds all the, so multiple, the most advanced ICBMs later days in the cold war, when we just got really good at potentially killing everybody were the ICBMs that would shoot up and there was basically like a shotgun shell. Multiple re multiple independent reentry vehicles, MIRVs. And they would open up and you'd have I think like up to 10 of them and they'd be mixed in with a bunch of decoys too. So you're you're the victim, you're looking up and you're seeing on your radar you're seeing 20 or whatever. And these were insane because there'd be 10 multiple independent reentry vehicles. Each one some of them could be up to they'd be up to one to like nine megatons each so you'd have like 10 of these so it's like 90 megatons one megaton is 300 times more powerful than the bomb that took out nagasaki 75 years ago today and then we'd have multiple of these missiles on a single sub and then you have a fleet of subs i mean the, the multiplication just starts to get crazy um but so you want to take it out when it's boosting because there's a white hot missile there's a white hot exhaust plume and you can track that easily but you can't hit the plume because per the general's words hitting the plume is worthless it's because it's just i mean it really is smoke it's the, the an analogy of the soviet union the smoke and mirrors but it really is smoke so you want to hit the body but that's obviously the most ideal spot but you also got to have missiles nearby all right so that's the boost phase and I'm butchering this, but, and then up when it, when the bus comes off of the boost phase, but then it does that sort of like apex, it's still all together. So, you know, it's like when you're playing like a, like a video game and there's like a, and you see like Russian, you're, I don't know, you're defending some fort and you see like a Jeep or a whatever. And it's, think of like Halo or something. And you got the, um, 
I don't even what the fuck was the name of the truck. What was the name of the uh, warthog? Was that it? Yeah, whatever. But you have three guys on one thing and it's coming towards you. You always want to hit that with a rocket because it's one hit, three kills. Once it stops and they spread, it's like killing a spider versus like squishing a spider and like a bunch of baby spiders come out. So you want to kill the you want to kill the bus while it still has everything. Because once it opens up, it's just well, it's now it's just twenty times harder. So you know, do you want to hit a bullet with a bullet or do you want to hit uh, all the shotgun shell fragments with another shotgun shell fragment it's it you know so to do that you definitely want to hit the body or the bus the point of bringing this all back around is they were talking about directed energy weapons but they said it so nonchalantly they're you so you want to hit it during the boost phase you want to hit out the missile body you don't want to hit the plume or you could hit the bus well it's still at the apex and you know if you really can't get it in the final seconds well then you would use a directed energy weapon because that goes at the speed of light and and it just kind of like and then they go into the next thing and there's another montage and then a commercial break and some badass 80s commercials we are mcdonald douglas but it's it was like what a directed energy weapon like i thought we weren't there now so who knows maybe it was maybe i'm maybe i'm a perfect example of the power of propaganda maybe that wasn't real at all but uh but idiots like me thought it was but another thing they talked about was they were called like garages like garage like i'm above my parents garage 30 years old hope i look back at this video one day and laugh um yeah, but they said that as General James Abramson said, there's a lot of like garages, and these garages would each hold uh, missiles, and you'd orbit these possibly in like the thousands of garages. But I thought it was really interesting that the the garages were, excuse me, <coughs> the garages were um, they had rockets in them, but they were tiny. They said they were pretty much the. I mean, I would imagine. You'd have to have some different specs for uh, space-based, but they said they were the same missiles that you put on um, fighter jets for air-to-air, -air. so like a Sidewinder or like a Phoenix missile. And I guess that makes sense, because if it's already up in orbit, there's, I mean, the vast majority of the of the energy... Um... <sighs> this is why we exercise before podcasts, because I'm foggy. The vast majority was is it delta v the vast majority of the energy you need is to get it out of the gravity well and into orbit but once you're already up there if you just have this like uh just you know almost like a a flat, like a sam site up in orbit yeah i mean you really you just need to hit because if you're hitting the missile body not that merv but just the, the lifting body it, i guess it doesn't really matter what you hit it with right because one, think about you always. We always hear about like space debris, like a like a like a um, a speck. Is that the right word? A fleck? A flake? Holy Jesus! The exercise, kids. But one, they're, they're traveling at like what, like seventeen thousand miles an hour, and one of those can like punch punch a hole through a spaceship. So you really just gotta hit the thing, and not only that. So not only. So not only is your projectile probably already enough, just an air-to-air -air missile, it doesn't need, you know, it doesn't need to be the size of a Titan II because it's already in orbit. And, you know, 90% of a rocket is just the fuel getting it up there, the tyranny of the fuel equation. So you're already up there with a rocket, 17,000 miles an hour. So it doesn't need to be a lot. A third... So one, you're already up there. Two, you're already going 17,000 miles an hour. So let momentum do the work, baby. Mass, momentum equals mass times velocity. Three, the actual skin of a rocket, and I didn't know this until like last year. The actual like, in my mind, I, I just imagine them like, I don't know why I imagine that they're just like as sturdy as like a fucking like tank. I just imagine like a thick armored wall. No, like maybe like an actual actually and i think no because you just want something to hold the fuel and then you drop it off at stages but the fuel itself i think it's i think it's I, it was elon musk or bezos or maybe it's just any rocket you to act, apparently like a rocket couldn't even stand under its own weight 
is pressurized and full of fuel, but the skin really is almost like balloon like. I mean, like, like tin foil, like, you know, take a pin and just go right through. Because you want the least amount of fuel possible, so it really is. It's like, uh, you know, you if you took the top off this water bottle and then you stood on it, it would just just crumble. But you leave the top on and it's, you know, it's pressurized, right? Squeeze it, squeeze it, don't squeeze it, squeeze it. Yeah, and that's fine if it's just gonna hold the fuel. But if you're up there and you hit this fucker with a pin. I mean, you're not, it's not hitting, like, you know, the hard plastic of a remote. You're just hitting. I've had on guys from NASA. I'm sure if they're watching this video, they're just like, you dumb fuck. But, so one, you're in orbit. So you don't need to expend all the energy to get up there. So you could have a tiny rocket. Two, the rocket can be tiny because just it's already going 17,000 miles an hour. So think of the fleck spec of paint, Jesus, flake of paint, Jesus Christ. Three, the actual thing you're trying to hit is, it's very, it's very fragile. And four, you're in a vac, a near vacuum, I guess if you're right above the atmosphere, there's still, it's a gradient of, of, of atmosphere, but it, you're, you're above like 99% of the atmosphere. So there's no, there's really no, it's negligible drag. It's like there's no such thing as no gravity. Nowhere in the universe is there no gravity. Gravity exists. Gravity exerts force over an infinite distance, but it's 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 what related to the square of the distance from the center of the mass. But it's um so there's no drag or anything. So think about a rocket and think about how much power it needs. Think about how much of that thrust. One, it's trying to get out of the gravity well of Earth. Two, it's also going again. Granted, it's going straight up. Well, I don't know. It really kind of turns as a mutual, but it's it's still going through a ton of oxygen, not oxygen, atmosphere. Um, it's it's kind of like those those like hypersonic sleds that they'll do out in like the missile, t the like White Sands, I think. Um, they'll put them side because they're just putting sideways on a fucking rail, and they just let these fuckers rip. And they'll get going hypersonic in like three seconds. It's insane. Um, but it's, I remember seeing someone explain it and they're like, because you're always shooting rockets up. Like if you just put a rocket sideways with just no, doesn't have to fight gravity. You can put all that energy into just speed. Okay, so let's take a normal rocket you shoot up and then put it on a sled and you go sideways. Jack that fucker up. Now what happens if you can take that same sideways motion but it doesn't matter because you're up in space so it's the effect is the same there's no you're not fighting the vertical down of gravity vertical down of gravity i did take physics be amazed um the vertical down of gravity tommy 2020 is um but it's still that same effect if you're just not fighting that that massive pulling force um and now imagine you take that rocket straight up versus rocking on the sled. The sled's much faster. Now imagine taking that sled and putting it in a vacuum so there's no air resistance or negligible air resistance. Now it... I was thinking about that yesterday. Uh, what is the max speed? If you were to take a Phoenix missile, some AMRAAM, what if you just took it out into space and just shot it? Not... Not no, not shooting away from Earth or at the sun. No, no gravity. Just imagine you just out in space and shoot. I wonder what is the maximum speed that it would get. I mean, it would reach it and then it would stay there, and that's the beauty of space. Is, but so you're up there. You just take like a Phoenix missile or something. I don't even know if that's the right term. I think those are just the sensors. But you just take an air-to-air -air missile and just shoot it. And so it now SDI kind of makes a lot more sense. So the four things, one, you don't need all that fuel because you're already up there. So you're out of the gravity well. Two, a flake, right? Flake of paint can be damaging because it's going 17,000 miles an hour. Okay. Three, the skin of the missile is very, very thin and fragile. And four, even if the, the even if points two and three weren't applicable, let's say it did need to be very powerful. A simple air-to-air -air missile, not fighting gravity and not fighting air resistance, that thing is going to get cooking fast.
I mean, I think they said in the video it would be something like, oh, I don't even remember. But, I mean, ins- it, it, it doesn't do any justice. Insanely fast. So that, I mean, that actually, now that I'm saying it out loud, that actually makes a lot of sense. Now, can you ward off uh, a general nuclear exchange or was the boob attack bolt out of the blue? I don't know, man. I mean, you had a thousand ICBMs going up at once. I don't know. I don't know if that would work. But I, I mean, I definitely think it, it seems closer to reality. You just put a, a fucking, like a SAM site in orbit. Yeah. I mean, why not? Especially if you can kind of be like hugging the atmosphere and then you see these come up, these ICBMs come up. If you can look at it from a way that you're not looking at them, you're not looking at them with Earth as the background, but if you're looking up at them with space as the background, I mean, Jesus, I mean, talk about a temperature differential. Even if the rocket isn't burning anymore, even if there's no plume anymore, the friction on that thing is still going to be toasty. And even if it wasn't toasty, even if it was just fucking room temperature, that's still going to contrast the fuck out of a black space in the background, right? But it is it is cooking. So that's got to make it easier. Yeah. It, it actually... It seems very doable. I mean, it would and money, but I mean, un, under Reagan and the the that defense buildup, money were fun tickets. But yeah, that actually seems really possible. Put up thousands of them, thousands of the garages. That would work. Yeah, I think that would work. The other idea was that they were going to have, and, and now, okay, now this is the point where I see where it kind of strays into a little insanity, was rail guns. Actually, I don't know. Think about rail guns now. The, is, it, is it BAE Systems that's making it? General Atomics, General Dynamics? 30 more minutes. I can do this. I think they're doing that now with rail guns. But this this documentary starts with them shooting a railgun in like 84. But I mean, I think all the same things apply. Are we shooting it on Earth? And are we shooting it at... Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe the railguns take so long to develop because what we're aiming for, no pun intended, is a railgun that works on Earth shooting massive shells at at fucking naval destroyers with feet of steel. Okay. Okay. Air resistance. Okay. Versus bring it right back around to the garages of missiles. You're in space. It doesn't need to be big at all. It can be a fucking BB. No air resistance. So... But I think the primary thing is is not even air is not none of that. I think it's just small, right? Because the whole I think we figured out railguns a while ago, and and that's based on nothing. I am basing that on zero facts. I know the Nazis wanted to design a railgun, which is insane. But well, I don't know if we had it in the eighties. We did we did a test fire. That is a fact. Uh, there was like a toast and they were like to taking out nuclear weapons but it's weird because at the beginning of that video the guy that says i'd like to make a toast to this railgun taking out nuclear weapons in the future he has the same exact voice of the guy who if you watch the ivy mike hydrogen bomb test the very first hydrogen bomb um oh what the fuck is the name of the ship he's on oh god damn it we are on the But it, it's just like your 50s. I mean, it looks like it could be in the sandlot. He is like, hello, I'd like to welcome you here. And if you look just over there, we could be part of the thermonuclear age. Now we're going to have to have a goggles on. It, it's almost like a walk-in type guy. We are on the fuck. What the name? What's the name of that video? What's the name of that ship? 
God damn it. I'm going to have to look that up. But it's weird because, yeah, that guy. Fuck it. I think I can play it, right? I don't think I'll get yanked. Um, Ivy Mike. Ivy Mike. By the time it got up into the upper... It's the super reflectors. Right. Yeah. Momentous of... USSS. You have a grandstand seat here to one of the most momentous events in the history of science. In less than a minute, you will see the most powerful explosion ever witnessed by human eyes. The blast will come out of the horizon just about there. And this is the significance of the moment. This is the first full-scale test of a hydrogen device. If the reaction goes, we're in the thermonuclear era. Okay. The history of this last, last now, um... And then there's the guy... Fuck. ...pages even... ...is built in response to President... You might be able to get a good shot. Uh, right down to the... Do you hear it? Watch out, watch out, it's on! The device is in miles an hour cut. Age. Warfare and perhaps even someday eliminate the threat of nuclear destruction. In Moscow. And let's just hope that this tool can someday be used to tame warfare and perhaps even someday eliminate. Do you not hear it? The USS Estes. The explosion will come from right over there. I don't know. I heard it. Point being, sorry for that. I don't think that's going to be the thing that uh, keeps this channel from getting monetized. And if it is, fuck it. It was worth it. SDI, baby. Um, but if he's talking about they're doing railguns then, then yeah. So yeah, so the point is, is we had it figured out. But the problem, because I remember reading in Popular Mechanics, or was it Popular Science, when I was in high school, so sometime between 2005 and 2009, God damn it, I remember those fucking articles that said cancer would be cured by 2020. Bastards. Lying through their fucking teeth. 2015 earliest, 2020 for sure. Uh-huh. 2020, banning TikTok. Woo! That's where we are. <laughs> um, yeah. I remember I, I got a date with this super hot girl when I lived in Maine, and uh, I was really nervous about going on it, but I was a new kid, and... No one had ever gone on a date with this girl before, and I wanted to go on a date with her to sort of, like, get some street cred. And I remember I used to listen to Flashing Lights by Kanye, and that would psych me up to not be a pussy. <sighs> Fuck yeah. I think we made out. It was weird. I slipped on some snow and fell. Looked like a real boss. Point being, Kanye, 2007, now running for president. That's where we are. Railguns. Jesus Christ. Railguns. So it seems that we had it figured out. But yeah, 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 popular mechanics. So I remember it was it was saying that it was possible, but they had there was some like there was some like Goldilocks zone almost. It was it was like we have to get to sixty four megajoules or something. And it was like so it wasn't a matter of like can we do it? It's just like when we do it. Well, yeah, not not if, but when. Almost kind of like um, what the fuck was that noise? Almost. Almost like um, almost like a bomb. So once once the physics, once the once the nuclear fission was discovered that it was possible, and what was the Chicago pile and Rico Fermi, and the, the Nazis had their weird heavy water plants with all those like fucking weird like lead cubes or was it uranium cubes, the neutron regulators. Um, once it became understood that 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 it was possible, it was just it was when not if right that's why that's why leo Szilard, um leo Szilard went to no he didn't go to fdr leo Szilard wanted to warn fdr but he definitely couldn't get close to he just wasn't in basically didn't have clout but leo Szilard, uh was it leo Szilard? was it leo Szilard was the driver no no Leo Szilard went to meet with his friend, Albert Einstein. And that man's name? Albert Einstein. 
but really went to meet Albert Einstein, wrote a letter and had Einstein, I think, sign off on it, or maybe had Einstein write it. But that, with, when, because of that, that was able to go to FDR. And it's weird because when Leo Szilard went to meet with Einstein, I want to say it was on Long Island. It's weird. It's really weird how it's the thing kind of aligned because who was driving Leo Szilard? Edward fucking Teller, right? Maybe it was Ed Teller was being driven by Leo. I think it was Ed Teller was driving Leo Szilard because Leo Szilard didn't have a car. Leo Szilard was like this posh. He lived in like hotel lobbies. Sounds like my kind of guy, dude. But um, yeah, what a weird thing. Leo Szilard driven by Ed Teller to go see Einstein to go write a letter to FDR to warn about Hitler. What a fucking star-studded cast. Um, and then weird again, yeah. The weird interaction of Edward Teller and cars. Edward Teller driving a car to bring Leo Szilard to Einstein to write a letter to FDR about Hitler. And then 40-something years later, maybe 50. 50 years later? Because I think the letter was written in 39. Maybe it was 40. Yeah, 50 years later, Ed Teller giving a speech at a, at a school, at a campus, reading an article about a rocket-powered car. And on the front page of the article, Bob Lazar. <laughs> Edward Teller and Cars. <laughs> I'd love to see a Disney or Pixar Cars movie with Edward Teller, though. Don't know how the fuck we got A-bombs once it's possible. Now that we know it's possible, it will be done. That was the letter written to FDR. Therefore, we need to make a plan for a bomb now because it's not it's not some hidden esoteric knowledge it, it can be done can you just get all the physical material how do you do it do you do a gun type versus gun type versus implosion um shout out fdr fdr didn't give a fuck a truman i mean i absolutely understand truman's hesitance to drop the bomb 75 years ago at today and 75 years three days but it was funny because fd funny relative Truman was very like, do we do this? Do we not? And he was finally kind of pushed towards it by Leslie Groves, who said, if you don't drop it, Mr. Truman, you need to start preparing your impeachment speech uh, for next year when the war ends after a million USGIs die. You have to, you know, you need to give your speech to the American people when they impeach you for finding out that you had a weapon that you didn't use. And that's in 45, after this whole thing has played out. FDR... FDR didn't give a fuck, and this was in like 40 or 41. So with none of this had played out yet, and FDR was, he was, I think it's, I think Bill O'Reilly mentions it in uh, Killing the Rising Sun, which is a book about the war in the Pacific, but is also unintentionally, I think, probably one of the best books on the A-bomb. I've really got to go to the bathroom. So um, I don't, you know what I can do? I think I can just like play. I'll just play one of my shitty podcasts to fill the air while I go go pee. I know in your book it talks about um, here we go how when they were looking for a U, what would become the U two is uh is is they had all these they had all these entry or these contract um I guess bids between three different companies. But then you said, I don't know why I was trying to explain this to you. I'm like, wait, you wrote the book. Is um, is a, uh, but then there was another bid from someone that an, an unsolicited bid, and it was like the it wasn't a Clarence, but it was one of the guys from Lockheed, and and there, yeah, apparently there, there's some there's some I guess red hot guy named Clarence, and he said he can do it better. But I just I don't know why that doesn't really have anything to do with the Korean War we were going to talk about. But that made me laugh out loud. It was just like unsolicited and i was like as soon as it said unsolicited i was like i bet it's going to be clarence johnson and they're like it's from a small company called lockheed but back when it was like lockheed marietta i was like i knew it (laughs) unsolicited (laughs) but it's kind of cool you could do that back in the day right oh yeah oh yeah i mean they still sort of do but there's like you know not independent companies that can pull off a multi-billion dollar project oh yeah these days oh yeah right but back then yeah they're like you know we are back. I need to record my own elevator music. Um, but yeah, 
Bill O'Reilly, FDR. Yeah, FDR didn't give a fuck. FDR was, he was getting ready to drop that thing like years prior. He was just so, I mean, I know people on the right kind of look at FDR. Oh, he was a socialist. He kept, he kept the Great Depression going on, blah, 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 blah. Did FDR didn't give a fuck. FDR, not only did he pull together, excuse me, not only did he bail out the UK and then go in there and tell Eisenhower to go fuck shit up, send off MacArthur and Patton, just like some wild dogs to go kill some Nazi fuckers. He was for the A-bomb years before we was even ready. To me, I love, I know a lot of people don't like that and Hey, agree to disagree. We can argue. And that's a that's a beautiful thing about this nation is that we have the freedom to argue that and we can question government motives. And because of that, without being beheaded or thrown in a re-education camp, and because of that, I would argue that the use of the atomic bomb was good because it preserved the system that allows you to question the use of the atomic bomb. I'll die on that hill. And you don't have to. And again, another beautiful thing about this country. So, um... Yeah, but FDR didn't give a fuck. FDR was like, drop it. I don't care. I don't care. There will be civilian deaths. I don't care. It's just fucking, again, people shit on him because he's a Democrat. So he's a socialist. But dude was like one of the OG, like, America first. <laughs> give a fuck. He was like, drop it. Drop it now. <laughs> drop it yesterday. I don't give a fuck. Um, God damn. How the fuck do we get off into these weeds? Railguns. <laughs> Real good. So if it's possible, we know it's not if, but when. So it seems like that's how it was, how the railgun was. So if it's, if the, if we got to get to the sweet spot of 64 megajoules, at least. I wonder what the upper speed limit of, of railguns are. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's finish this thought. Is, um. So if it's possible and, and the, the limiting factor is enough energy um, without it being destroyed also, I mean, I imagine you can just crank the energy up. I mean, fuck, I barely got past physics, but something to do with amps and watts and I don't know, um, Sherlock Holmes, is to fire the shell fast enough or a big enough shell. Because if it's going Mach 7, you don't even need to have... A, you don't even need to have an explosive charge in there. You just use the kinetic energy of the warhead. But if you're going up in space, yeah, you don't need a, a huge shell. You're not going against a battleship. Fuck, you could just shoot like a shotgun shell. Like an, imagine an electromagnetic shotgun. <laughs> that would be fucking nuts. Um, so I think what they wanted in space was, so in addition to... So you've got the, the the last minute interceptor, the Sprint ABM, and those. It's kind of funny that like we put our missile interceptors. We didn't put them around cities because we knew they were fucked. They might hit one or two, but you're not going to get the other ninety. So what we did do, and I think it was Nixon that said the primary goal is to prevent death. And the primary way to prevent prevent death is to guarantee death to them, in a thermonuclear exchange, mutual assured destruction. And that's where the whole um, decentralization of nuclear weapons comes from. Um, that's the basis, part of the basis of um, Dr. Strangelove. Uh, you know, wing attack plan R. Well, the idea was to, you know, in the event of a Soviet decapitation strike that anyone could and die forever. Yeah. You can't take pictures. We're in the war room. Um, but Mandrake. But... So that's what I mean. That's where that that strategic plan comes into play. But that's also where you you want to have them everywhere. Nuclear subs, I would I imagine, are like the primary enforcer of that. So now it's not even like well, maybe if we wipe out all of them real quick, they won't be able to get us. It's no matter what, something somewhere is going to launch back, and that insurance, not insurance. I was going to say like insure, E N S U E, not not sponsored by insure. It ensures that you are fucked no matter what. Even if you get off 99% of your nukes to, uh, or even if we take out 99%, 1% still going to come through, and that's going to fuck us up eternally, because 1% of the nukes coming in are thousands of times more powerful than the one in Hiroshima. And you know, 
1% of 70,000 nukes coming. I can't do math. 70,000 divided by 100. Fuck. 70,000 divided. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What's 700 times 10? 7,000. What's 700 times 100? All right, so let's say 700 nukes still get through. You take out 99%. If you have 700 nukes coming through, and each one is, say, on a conservative estimate, a megaton, that's still 700 megatons. I mean, I mean, Ivy Mike was, was 15. No, Ivy Mike was, I think, 5 or 10. Castle Bravo was 15. Ivy Mike had more explosive power than everything everything detonated in World War II, including the A-bombs. 700 megatons, even if that's 1% getting through, which is beyond success if you could wipe out 99% of incoming missiles. If you got, if 1% came through at 700 megatons, you're ab you're still fucked. And, and there's the beauty in that, is if even if you have a 99% success rate, which in anything else is amazing. Sales, grades, investments, what whatever. Good days. That that's still that doesn't do shit. Ninety nine point nine percent still wouldn't do shit. You have to get hundred percent. And we knew that wouldn't be possible because Curtis LeMay said a bomber will always get through. You can throw a thousand B-29s at a city. You could take out 950 of them, but 50 are still going to get through. Now imagine if those are carrying nukes instead of firebombs or just dumb bombs. It doesn't matter. So the whole nuclear deterrence comes from no matter what, we were going to have some ready to fire, right? How the fuck did I get on this? I don't remember. I'm so fucking tired. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Shooting shit at incoming missiles. Whatever. Fuck it. Ten more minutes. Let's do this. Finish strong. Finish the drill. So if you had... Oh, yeah, the Sprint ABM missiles. Those were around... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Deterrence, deterrence. We couldn't, we couldn't save the city. So what we did do instead is we put them around our missile sites, our land-based missile sites, the, the ICBMs, um, the silos all across the Midwest and Montana, which I thought was kind of funny. It's a... Uh, I was watching the ending of Far Cry 5 the other day, which is a great game. Playing it right now, actually. While listening to Stealth War by Brigadier General Robert Spalding. Um, at the end, when the... when the Spoiler alert. Turn off now. If you haven't played Far Cry 5, spoiler alert. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Spoiler alert. So at the end, uh, when you arrest Joseph Seed and the, the H-bombs start going off, some of the comments are like, yeah, you know... You know, not really realistic because, like, really, three H-bombs in a, in, in a nothing-named county in Montana? Yeah, sure. But reality is, not only are there that many nukes, that that's how many that were going to be going off everywhere. Specifically, Montana and the Midwest. Because it's called by, by a, I think it was Strategic Air Command, I think the upper echelon used to call it. They called the Midwest the ICBM sponge. Because... The Soviets would have to use so many to take out our silos. <laughs> Is that, and we'd space them so far apart that you'd have to at least get one for one. You couldn't, you couldn't do these multi-kills. So they used to call the Midwest the ICBM. It still is the ICBM sponge. That's the argument that Eric Schlosser makes at the end of Command and Control. Is like we, we look back and we're like, man, remember the days of the bomb and the scare that we were going to die in a fire and duck and cover? He's like, that never ended. Like, they're all still there. Sure, reduced in number. But as we just talked about, even if you take out 99%, that 1% is still, a, is still a hellscape that you can't imagine. So he's like, they're still there. And I think that he ends the book with like, they're there and they work. Described it as like a gun cocked, pointed at the sky. Um, yeah, so we put we were gonna put the like the Sprint ABM and the other interceptor. I think Spartan. That was there was another one called Ho H O E, which is fucking hilarious. But um, we put these around our silos so that 
sure, no really lives to be saved, but if you put them around the silos and just thus ensure that you won't be able to take out our second strike or primary strike capability, you may look at that as, um, you know, oh, how evil. We wouldn't protect our cities. Instead, we protect our silos. By protecting our silos, you are preventing a shot from ever being fired, period. So... But so yeah, if you have the Sprint ABM, you have the Spartan, you have the garages, and then rail guns, I mean, they had like different weight. You know, so you have these different, I guess, bubbles, tiers of missile defense, and then you have the garages in space. The other thing was rail guns. They were going to shoot these things. They said about the size of hockey pucks. It's something, something insane. It was something insane. It was like something like 14,000 kilometers an hour. Sorry, sorry, 14 kilometers a second. That's what it was. It was 14 kilometers a second. What's the math on that? So, 14 kilometers a second. Yeah, it's 50,400 kilometers an hour. What is kilometers an hour to miles per hour? So, 14 kilometers a second times 3,600 is 50,400 kilometers per hour 50,400 50, kilometers an hour is 31,317 miles 31,317 now miles per hour to mock let's see what that is mock 40 Jesus Christ so um yeah have some mock 40 hockey pucks up there Wheel snipe Sally boys. You can cross fit, you can cross fuck off. Go kick rocks. You're at Taylor Swift lyrics and birthday cars. Your esthetician quaff that for you. Nice execution. Um Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe if you have hockey pucks, garages, sprint, Spartan, Patriot. And then Perhaps the most crazy is if all of that doesn't work, and then 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 you wheel in the directed energy, the do weapons, D E W, directed energy weapon. Those are insane. Was it the would Abramson describe it as the was it the free electron laser? That's insane because like what we're gonna do with them is <laughs> you had to keep it. A coherent laser, which if I can remember from science, from science. Oh, yeah, I took science. Um, chemistry, physics, maybe I'm just regurgitating what I saw in the video. If you keep it coherent, not spread out, it's much more powerful. It's like a shotgun. Shotgun, big spread, not a lot of power per spot. Sniper, sharp, kind of like a shape charge. Imagine a shape charged sniper bullet. That would be insane. Um, so we could do this, but the problem was is because of the atmosphere, it would it would kind of refract that, like a thought, like whatever per second wavelength frequency. I don't fucking know. It would refract and it wouldn't work as well. So what we had to do was um, shoot the. We had to shoot the laser. And then the mirror that, and that was the other thing is we're gonna have these lasers, but then we're gonna have these mirrors in space that would bounce the laser around and be able to wipe shit out. But because it was so fucked up, you had to have a mirror that you had to have a mirror that could deform to to correct the kind of like context. But because it's a thousand times a second that it had to be corrected. The mirror itself had an aluminum, like, micron etching on it with all these piezoelectric pushers and drivers. And it would flex the mirror a thousand times a second to correct the laser hitting it so that it would, I guess, be weaponized again. A deformative mirror, purposely deformative, actively deforming a thousand times a second in fucking orbit yeah i mean i guess i could see where people didn't think it was possible there's like to me there's like two conclusions it's like that's so insane that wouldn't be possible then the other part of me is like that's so fucking insane that we might have done it
Like, we might have done it. And are you really going to fuck around and find out? You're going to fire your nukes and have them blown out of the sky and then just wait for thermonuclear death? But there was one guy at the beginning of the documentary, not the USS Estes lookalike doppelganger, but there was another guy because they're going through all these like, like Oak Ridge, Lawrence Livermore, and they're talking about this and how it can be done given enough money. There's another one called the High Frontier program where they were just going to shoot nukes at the nukes. There's meme material. But there's one guy in full beautiful 80s hair and mustache. And he goes, I don't think it would work. He goes, I think it's a tech. I think it's an attempt at a tech. I think it's an attempt at a technical solution to a much deeper problem, like a philosophical problem that we shouldn't be firing these nukes at all. Because he said, what? he goes, sure, SDI, great. But what if, he goes, if I'm the Soviets, I'm just putting like a hundred megaton H-bomb in a cargo ship and just bringing it right near a port. SDI doesn't do shit. And, uh, yeah, so, um, Paul Wickham on tomorrow, we're going to talk about SDI. Paul's going to be angry at me for talking about SDI today. Paul, I'm fucking sorry. I'm exhausted. I feel like shit. My brain is... My brain is like the directed energy weapon going through the atmosphere. It's being distorted a thousand times a second. But unfortunately, Paul, if you were here, you would be my mirror that, that actively deformed my laser to fix it back. Yeah. So 12.29 p.m. Eastern Time. I did it. Did what I said what I was going to do. Um, I'm going to keep listening to this book. A couple neat guests this week. Stay tuned. Hopefully I don't have the Rona. Um, if you guys like this podcast, please check out the Patreon. You can give a dollar an episode. That would be more than fucking amazing. That will be in the top comment sticky and it will be in the description. Um, I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. I thoroughly enjoy it. I love listening to audiobooks. I love talking with it about with them to people. And I uh, hope you guys uh, enjoy it. And um, awful lot of negativity in the world out there right now. Be happy. Be positive. Easier said than done. You ever had a sunburn? Do you not have a sunburn right now? Be happy about that. You don't have a sunburn right now. That's all I got. I am going to keep listening to Stealth War by Brigadier General Robert Spaulding for the third time because I like it that much. Not being sarcastic, I like it that much. It's a fucking great book. Check it out. All right, guys. Stay safe. Stay sexy. Big dick energy. Peace.